The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good day, and welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Hey again, thanks for listening. Uh, my guest today is an award-winning writer, author, speaker, and frequent media commentator on marketing in the digital age, which is where, where we are, I guess. He's a veteran of the advertising industry, and he serves as a VP and creative director for um, a Silicon Valley ad agency that's very prominent. He's heralded as a strategic marketing expert by Harvard Business School's Working Knowledge, and his insights into postmodern marketing have been featured in Adweek, Ad Age. Wired, Forbes, MSNBC, blah, 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 the list goes on, NPR. And his new book, The On-Demand Brand, was a number one Amazon hot new release, and we're going to talk about the book today. Welcome to my guest, Rick Matheson. Hi, Maureen. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. No problem. So let's start with the beginning. First of all, what is the ad agency you're at now that uh, you so mysteriously mentioned? In your- <laughs> <laughs> it's called Creative Eye Advertising and Interactive Media, and it's in Palo Alto. Oh, I grew up in Palo Alto. Really? When Palo Alto was a hippie town, you oh, know? Gee. I should have bought up land. What was I thinking? <laughs> That's for sure, gee. So what do you do over at Creative Eye? Sure. I'm a vice president and creative director, so I oversee all the creation of our advertising for our clients like uh, Specialized Bicycles, HP, Palm, and, and many others. Ah, so, okay, great. So some really big accounts and, yeah. um, and, and specializing sort of in the high-tech space. That's correct. So, so is it unusual for a, a creative director to also be VP? Is that, or is that sort of the norm nope. these days? No, nope, it's not unusual. It's uh, not uncommon at all. It just uh, okay. depends on the agency. And uh, before you got started there, what did you do in the past with, um, you know, to get to get to that point? How did you start your career in marketing? Sure, it's funny. I started with. So you were talking about being in Palo Alto during the hippie days. I started with a company that eventually became T-Mobile. So I started in the mobile space, uh-huh. and I was responsible for national advertising, that's print and uh, direct and online and broadcast, for a brand called Cellular One. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember Cellular One. Yeah, yeah. So lots of different companies did you know, business under that moniker, but uh, but we were one of the larger um, networks, and so I kind of grew up in that space. We were doing some of the very first uh, tools with uh, being able to use your uh, mobile phone as a, to tether your laptop to go mobile way back in the day, and that company kind of merged with other ones and eventually became uh, what's now known as T-Mobile USA. Wow, wow. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you you're call yourself a strategic marketing expert. What do you feel that that means to you? Well, uh, 
just to be clear, uh, Harvard Business School's working knowledge called me that. I don't walk around saying <laughs> oh, sorry, I am. Nor do I, yeah, nor do I call myself a marketing guru. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, in my role as creative director at Creative Eye and then outside consulting that I do on my own, I work at helping brand marketers sort of understand and better capitalize on, uh, you know, emerging digital platforms as part of sort of integrated marketing communications initiatives. So how do we best use, you know, social media and how do we best use mobile if that's going to be a part of our strategy uh, in a campaign? That's what I do. Uh, Right now I'm working with uh, strategic film partners down your way on a movie starring Jenna Fisher from The Office that opened Uh this summer. And we're kind of defining right now what, you know, how do we use mobile? Is social media part of this? It's got a heavy, you know, female audience. So, you know, where do we want to be? Uh, you know, connecting with folks and Facebook and other avenues and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, also working with uh, a social network that's just getting built now called Make Yourself Necessary, which is kind of bringing social media to the world of volunteering. It's a new site where you can go online and you can just enter your, your zip code or your name of your city, mm-hmm. and you'll see volunteer opportunities in your immediate city. So, you know, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this group is going to clean out the creek, you know, this weekend between 1 and 3. Come on down. And, and it, we're sort of building it out to be a very social experience. And, ah, uh, interesting. You know, yeah. I, I, I should just mention it here, give my cousin a plug. She started something called For Good Community. Oh, cool. With the number four. And she just got so, selected as Scholastic Family of the Year. Oh, my gosh. Cover of the magazine. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do. They, they On a community level, they partner up with uh, other foundations who need help or need workers, need people. Oh, that cool. just, so you can just sign up on, you know, uh, my kids are doing a thing where they're going on to uh, – someone else's property that's, uh, you pick fruit for this foundation that picks, fr- you know, in California, we just have fruit on the trees everywhere, and it's just going to waste. So they pick it and give it to uh, food banks. Perfect. So, um, and she just helps organize the group. So that's interesting. I'll have to put her in touch with and make yourself necessary. Yep. So let's get back to you. So, yep. so you wrote this book, On Demand Brand, and this is a follow-up to your first book. So tell, tell me what the... Um, the, you know, what's the story behind your new book? Sure. So, you know, it was something I was experiencing, and I started to recognize I wasn't alone. That <laughs> I think, you know, we as marketers are just growing increasingly desperate to connect with today's, you know, iPhone-toting, Facebook-hopping, video game-fragging, text message-tapping, I want what I want, when, where, and how I want it right now right. generation. And I think it's sort of the pace of change has been just accelerating over the last few years. I think we as marketers are, you know, many marketers feel themselves falling behind. I think all of us have felt the stress of having to pretend that we're hip to all things digital, and all of us are guilty at least once of chasing after what's cool, you know, long after consumers have have moved on to the next thing. So what I discovered in researching the book, kind of trying to figure this all out for myself as well, is that really most marketers, you know, don't understand that it's not really just about tracking the latest technologies or trends. You're never going to be able to keep up with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not out of the loop just because you're not understanding everything about digital yet. What they've lacked are really the tools or the philosophical framework to create the kinds of experiences that consumers want and demand, and demand in this digital era. And the on-demand brand is designed to you know, help change all that. Wow. So it's made up of 10 rules for digital marketing success anytime anywhere. What um, what are some of the rules? you want to take us through the rules? Sure. Well, a couple of them. So, I mean, we definitely, if we have the time here in the hour, we can, we can definitely attack, tackle all of them. But uh, I would say that, you know, all are really fundamental to marketing in the digital age, and all are really predicated on the first rule, which is insight comes before inspiration. And so, you know, 
in any agency, you'll see this where, you know, a lot of times an idea for something digital is kind of a me too thing. Hey, I saw someone else doing this really cool thing. Why don't we try to do something like this as well? And really the most successful digital initiatives, um, literally interviewing literally hundreds of today's most innovative marketers, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was very clear that it's really not about coming up with a cool idea. It's really about knowing who your customers are how they use digital media, and how they want to interact with your brand. And a lot of people kind of forget that step. I mean, that's really a step that's true for everything we do in marketing, communications, and PR, uh, but we often forget it, especially in the digital space. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite examples of kind of doing this is, um, you probably remember this, the uh, Campaign for Real Beauty from Dove. Oh, yeah. A couple years back. So most marketers are familiar with that campaign, but what they might not know is the extensive uh, research that went on behind the scenes, you know, before that ever came to fruition. Um, Unilever went out and they did a 10-country study of 3,200 girls and women aged 18 to 64 to really start to understand kind of women's views about what beauty means today and to measure, you know, people's own satisfaction with their own beauty. And what they discovered is really kind of shocking. They discovered that only about 2% of women said they would describe themselves as beautiful. Wow. Only 2%. And, uh, you know, only about 4% of 18 to 29-year-olds would do so. So they really started to study, okay, you know, this is the mindset out there, and and they looked at, uh, you know, the way teens and young women are using social media. They're kind of, uh, at that age, the most frequent adopters of social media, young women running blogs or doing Facebook. Men tend to catch up later on in their 20s. You know, there's gender parity later on, but but girls are are a primary driver of a lot of social media today. And so Unilever started to formulate this campaign for real beauty that would be designed to promote women, you know, kind of a healthy self-image. Um, and so they launched a campaign that had things like um, uh, the Evolution um, YouTube video. It was a television commercial that ran once during the Super Bowl and then mm-hmm. just took off online. And it kind of shows this average everyday woman kind of, you know, through makeup and, you know, uh, uh, an army of stylists and, you know, uh, Photoshop artists afterwards becoming this beautiful billboard model. Mm-hmm. They would do things like electronic billboards in Times Square where you they'd ask a question and you could use your mobile phone to vote. So it would say, you know, it would show an everyday woman and would ask, you know, is she fat or fabulous? You know, is she, you know, wrinkled or wonderful? When people could vote on them. Um, they had things like Amy, which was this online uh, experience where um, it would show this, this girl, uh, you know, this young man kind of calling out to a girl's second window, second story window, and, and the copy read, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Amy can count 12 things wrong with her body. He can't name one. And you could create a personalized message to tell someone just how beautiful you think she is, just, you know, the way she is. Um, and it was all built around this special website where uh, called the camp, you know, Campaign for Real Beauty, where you could um, learn about and download information about health, you know, promoting healthy body image. Um, it was a massive campaign, and it educated, I think by last year, out of 2010, it had educated about 5 million young people about healthy body image. Um, but it wasn't just, you know, cause-oriented, you know, just doing this for the heck of it, sales went through the roof. That's what I was going to ask you. Did they sell any soap? Yeah, they sold, they sold a lot of them. Uh, so, so, you know, Unilever could have just run regular TV spots, right? Talking about how beautiful, you know, how this, this new, you know, night 
firming cream will make you look better. Uh, and, and they would have been successful, but this was a massive success on a lot of different levels. Um, so they saw a 23.5% increase in sales in their six largest regions. In fact, sales went up uh, 10% globally in the first two years to about $600 million around the world. So it was this massive effort that never would have seen the light of day if the brand wasn't smart enough to go out and do this research ahead of time, but then brave enough to create kind of a message that seems counterintuitive, you know, ignore beauty industry, you know, stereotypes right. by buying these beauty industry products. It completely worked. And and how does insight coming before inspiration tie into that? So they had the insight. They went and did the research and to gain the insights into young women and what they were about, uh, the way they use digital media, uh, and the way they view themselves. And from that, they were inspired to create, you know, they had the inspiration for this amazing and, and amazingly counterintuitive uh, campaign idea. Yeah, and I, and I imagine that they would get... Um, you know, the more creative the group of people that they have working for them trying to come up with ways to interact with social media. And this, this is, of course, they were doing it. It was sort of pioneering. Absolutely. get support for it when you have a scientific study behind you yes, to back it up, to say, look, this is what's going on. Yeah. In fact, in, in the book, I interviewed Laura Klauberg. She's the senior vice president of global media for Unilever. She's the first woman and first American to ever hold the position. Uh, she she just recently left Unilever uh, in March, but for the four or five years that she was in that post, she was the second most powerful woman in adverti- person in advertising. She had uh, the second largest budget on earth, $4.5 billion in marketing budget every year. And I asked her, you know, how did you, you know, it's hard to imagine from the outside looking in, Unilever going, yes, let's create a campaign completely ripping on all the things that we mm-hmm. you know, typically market with. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, it was this insight that made us be able to say, you know, mm-hmm. what if we tried this? And everyone getting around a table and kind of holding hands and having a kumbaya moment saying, we know this is on strategy. Let's take it for a spin. And wow. it worked spectacularly. Well, we're going to have to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to get to some more of your um, 10 rules for digital marketing success. And we'll be back in a minute with my wonderful guest, Rick Matheson. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again. I'm on with Rick Matheson. He's an award-winning uh, writer and speaker, and uh, you can check him out on uh, probably the best places on demand brand. He's everywhere, though. He Twitters and Facebooks, and we're going to get into his take on social media, as we do with all my guests. But anyway, I wanted to go back a little bit to your book, because I found it fascinating. Um, the Ten Rules for Digital Marketing Success in Anytime, everywhere, in an anytime, everywhere world. Um, so what are some more uh, important rules for you? We had insight becomes before, before inspiration. inspiration. Right. So the second rule is don't repurpose, reimagine. So this is one thing that is really key. You know, we've got those insights, uh, but a lot of times, you know, um, uh, well, it's, it's important to realize that with digital, if you can dream it, you can do it. So mm. don't just post a long-form TV commercial online and, you know, call it a web film. You want to do things that are going to be unique to the digital space. Television really should be the jumping-off point to experiences that can be more interactive and more engaging and can only be done in sort of, you know, the ultimate sandbox that is digital. Um, you know, you look at just the, the wave of innovation over the last couple of years and, and things I look at in the book, Things like Mini, you know, the automobiles, having billboards that connect with, uh, that call out to you by first name basis. Hey, Joe, love the convertible. Hey, Jane, great day for motoring, those kinds of things. Um, simply by connecting with an RF, RFID radio frequency identification tag in the driver's key uh, keychain. <laughs> um, you know, fun things like that. You have, um, you know, uh, Fanta, the orange drink, uh, doing an augmented reality tennis game. So you can aim your camera phone at their packaging, and this 3D augmented reality tennis court appears visually over the physical world in front of you through your mobile phone screen. And you can play a game of tennis, either against the computer, or you could connect with a buddy via Bluetooth to compete, you know, playing a sort of uh, 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 a game of virtual world tennis in the physical world. Um, you walk up to a can of soda. <laughs> you point your camera at the can of soda in the store. And then you can play tennis, like a, a, an on-screen tennis game with your friend somewhere else? Yeah, well, no, not somewhere else. But, yes, you got the basic idea. So let's say you see a billboard, Fanta billboard, and there's a little AR marker. It's something like a QR Yeah, phone. I know the AR marker. Yeah. That's right. So you aim your camera phone at it, and you, know, you, you scan it with your AR um, app, and a 3D augmented reality tennis court appears before you. And you can play tennis on that tennis court in the store or if you're on the street or wherever you are, and you can play against the computer, or if your friend happens to be standing right next to you, you can connect your phones via Bluetooth, uh-huh. and then you can p- compete against each other using your mobile phone as the racket. Uh-huh. So kind of like sell a, orange soda? Well, see, I'm glad you asked that, because for Fanta, this is kind of a branding moment. There's no ROI in this type of scenario. This is a, uh-huh. a branding moment meant to connect with young people, and this is really important for Coca-Cola. I've talked to, uh, in the book I interview, uh, 
Prince Pinnacat, Matthew Prince Pinnacat in, uh, at Coca-Cola Europe. And he said, you know, with this thing, it was just a phenomenon. I mean, Fanta will do things like a app that you can download that you can use to make fun of people in the room that, you know, audibly it'll send out, it'll just be like a ringtone that you press a button and it'll say, this guy's stupid or whatever. But no one over the age of 21 can hear it. It's broadcast at a frequency that only teenagers can hear. Come on, stop it. Are teenagers are like rats? What are you telling me? Yeah, so there are certain... They have different hearing? They have different hearing that they hear frequencies that start to disappear around the age of 21. So they brought Is that from all the rock concerts we, we listen to? Yeah, it must be. As for me, it's got to be. <laughs> I, I miss, I'm probably missing, you know, 14 of the frequencies by now. Uh, uh, but no, so they'll do things like that just because for them it is a way to connect with young people. Um, you know, he, in fact, he looks at AR and he says, you know, uh, this stuff is so amazing that it's his prediction that by the end of 2011, every major consumer brand doing any kind of significant campaign will have some form of audio augmented reality experience attached to the campaign because it's that powerful. In fact, he says that now, if you think about it, our logos don't don't have to just be static icons anymore. They can be right. rich multimedia experiences every time someone trains a mobile phone at them. Um, and they're very similar here. You know, uh, you know, you don't you have to have an iPhone to do this? Well, it depends on the app. So yes, in many cases, it's so. So there are, you know, there's a certain level of sophistication that comes with this because whether you're on an Android phone or, or iPhone or whatever phone you're on, smartphone you're on, you have to download an app that can scan that kind of thing. So this is very still very in the early days and cutting edge. Now these types of technologies are starting to be baked into the mobile phone and the device. I know several Android phones come with a, a QR scanner and I think come with uh, a standard a standard uh, AR scanner as well. So over the next 12 to 24 months, you're going to start seeing a lot more of this stuff. And, so, and yo, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, go I was going to say, you know, you asked about how does this sell. You know, Doritos is, is in a very similar situation, right? Because uh, they have to connect with, you know, probably for them, it's probably prepubescent, you know, males, you know, who were looking for, you know, really hip experiences. And they do AR in the form of you hold their snack bags up to uh, your webcam. Uh, especially marked packages, and uh, the bag will, on screen, on your computer screen, appear to explode. And out will float a singer, you know, Blink-182 or Rihanna, who will play a song for you, floating right before your very eyes in 3D. You can almost reach out and, and touch. So. On your computer screen. On your, in that scenario, it's on your computer, not on your mobile phone. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, there are certain brands that require an aura of hipness if they're going to have any kind of for lack of a better word, street cred with, with their audience. So it's about building the, the brand and the emotion behind the, the brand and the culture exactly. as opposed to actually selling product. Exactly. And that's it's more like you belong to that club that has the Dorito. I mean, ultimately, kids will eat what they want to eat. <laughs> they won't actually eat it if they don't like it. Correct. But if they're going to choose Doritos over Lay's, they will pick it because it's got this thing that they can do when they... Yes. As, as you know, Coca-Cola will tell you, there are two activities. One, that is a direct sale. We're going to get a sale off of this. Or there's something that builds a brand because ultimately the brand, is, your brand building is going to result in, in sales down the line. So is this, how does this now tie in? Because I'm confused now. So how does this tie into the um, don't repurpose, reimagine so those were things that you could not accomplish in television. You're not repurposing anything. So, so you know, a lot of times you'll see a brand do, you know, hey, see those, you know, you just watched the 30-second commercial, see the 90-second commercial online, or see what, you know, the end of the commercial. We'll do a cliffhanger on the commercial, and then it'll pay off online, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with activities like that, but they can be accomplished in television. 
you know, if you, so the idea with digital is to accomplish something that can only be done in these new emerging platforms or channels. And, and so that, you know, that's my contention in the second rule is don't just think of digital as a way to repurpose something you already did in some other medium. Use it to do something new and fantastic. And how are they, I just have to ask you because I, I'm a parent of like tweeners and um, my kids have smartphones, but they don't have iPhones. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, invest in a, you know, a really crazy phone because they're going to lose it. Right. So, uh, how does how how is this this kind of new you know reimagined advertising go, being aimed at younger kids or for, or to people who don't have uh, you know this technology older folks or people who just aren't hip to that stuff? Yeah. So so great question. So um, you know typically I. You know, I said tweeners or prepubescent is probably more along the line. We like tweener. We don't like prepubescent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds so right. you know, medical. Yeah, medical, <laughs> right. We don't want to go there. Uh, but really teenagers and, and up, up through 20-somethings. But uh, you asked a couple of questions here, and I'll try to tackle it. So okay. when you don't have a smartphone, um, you know, typically what you'll do is if you are going to do something in the you know, mobile connectivity space, what you do is you can use the technology that everybody has and virtually everybody uses, which is text messaging. Mm-hmm. So here, if you have some kind of connectivity you want to, uh, you know, something you want to activate in digital through mobile phone, um, instead of pointing the smartphone at an AR marker or a QR code, you have, you know, enter this keyword and send it to the short code, typically a mm-hmm. four to five digit number. Now, depending on how the promotion is set up, when you do that, you might have product information sent to your mobile phone. You might activate a mobile website with this experience. You might download a mobile coupon. You might dial up a call center, or you might even place a transaction if you've got you know that type of capability on on your phone right there at the point of impression. So so that can skew up you know to older folks who maybe don't have a smartphone or aren't using these crazy you know AR markers yet. You can build that type of connectivity through that that type of device. Um, and then the other part of your question was, I can't remember, could you... About, um, about tweeners and not having that, how can they, you know, if they don't have that kind of technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so it would be through a short code and that kind of thing. But, but you know, through all ages, you know, you can use um, as simple as a short message to create really rich multimedia experiences. I'll, I'll give you a good example I look at in the book. Um, AMF Pension is a Swedish financial services company. Mm-hmm. And they recently launched a campaign that started with TV commercials. And in the course of this TV commercial, it would fa- show this famous young celebrity, uh, maybe in their, their early 20s or whatever. And through the course of the commercial, through makeup and special effects, the celebrity starts to age right before your very eyes to about the age of 70. Uh-huh. The whole idea is to get young people, primarily in their 20s, um, to start thinking now about retirement and start to prompt them that, hey, AMF pension can help you start planning for your golden years. Right. Well, they did these kinds of things in outdoor and print. In fact, some of the outdoor material uh, posters used that lentricular material, so you had that kind of same effect as you walked by. The person would age before your very eyes. Uh-huh. Well, the call to action in print and television and uh, outdoor was, was brilliant. You could send a photo that you might have on your phone, or you could even snap mm, a of yourself. photo of yourself. Send it to a short code. So there's no fancy scanning or anything like that. Send it right. to a short code. Within minutes, you'd receive that photograph back, digitally manipulated to show you what you might look like at age 70. Oh, of course, and everybody it, wants to. I know, right. And uh, it would bald the people. If it was a guy, it would, you know, just, here's you with wrinkles and you're bald and whatever. Oh. Um, and, and information about how AMF can help you start planning for a secure retirement. Mm-hmm. Well, this campaign in its first six weeks saw 322,000 of those images sent. Brand awareness shot up 33% 
and a full 15% of the entire universe of folks they were trying to reach in this campaign directly interacted with the brand. So unbelievably creative, but undeniably effective use of mobile, right. free of any kind of special scanner or marker or anything. And if they decide to go and actually take care of their finances for when they're older, they, they would identify with that brand. Absolutely. Getting the kids to actually realize that they're not Im- immortal. Right. <laughs> it's a big a whole... leap there, but you got to try to convince them, right? Yeah. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, your current clients and this kind of uh, repurpose, reimagine, is there something that you have done that you can give us an example that, or was that one of your clients? Or you're not allowed to talk about your no, clients? No, yeah, I can talk just a little bit about one client just because it's, it's uh, a, a bit secret. Um, so I have a client who's working with a, a big energy drink. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Um, around Red Bull, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, creating an um, experience or, or capability with phones that um, uh, this particular uh, energy drink, drink sponsors a lot. Well, most do, I guess, sponsor uh, concerts and that sort of thing. And they're working on an app that, among other things, would enable you to create uh, potentially profiles of yourself uh, so that when you come in contact with someone who shares your interests, you can, it can facilitate a, a meetup or an introduction, so, uh, kind of get together with friends at concerts and then also potentially meet new people that way as well. So that's something that is definitely repurposed, or excuse me, not repurposed, it's, it's reimagining um, uh, their outreach efforts through something that is not a status. And how is that, and we have to go into break in a second, but how is that different from, from like just Facebooking or Four Corners? You can do that, but in this case, it's a branded experience owned by the brand uh, at these particular set. I, I really can't go into too many details, but uh, oh. by a particular group of people um, that the brand wants to have a, a, a exact relationship with. Or ah, so you're going to the Rihanna concert, all you Red Bull drinkers, co- come here if you're going to, re- and then we can hook up. Hypothetically, that if that were the brand, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You are good. I'm trying to get it out of you. It's like, like, who's having an affair with who? But anyway, all right, we've got to take a break, and I'll be back um, with my wonderful guest, Rick Matheson. He spells it Matheson with an I. He has to be difficult, you know, M-A-T-H-I-E-S-O-N. He's, uh, and we'll be back in a minute. Check out his um, website, ondemandbrand.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Vertex. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and I am just learning so much, I'm realizing how low-tech I really am. I'm on with my guest, Rick Matheson. Um, you can check his, he wrote a wonderful book called On Demand Brand. Everybody needs to read it, um, advertising, marketing, and all that kind of stuff. So welcome back again, Rick. Hey, thanks, Maureen. So we're talking, we were talking about some of the key points of your book, and uh, we just finished with Repurpose, Reimagine, but... Um, Give me another one of your top. We don't have to go through your entire book because I know you want people to actually buy the book. But um, tell me some more, what, you know, some of your key sure. ideas from the book that you want to share. Sure. One of the important ones I think is a, a hot topic today is around social media, and the, it's the third rule. So we talked about insight comes before inspiration. We had don't repurpose, reimagine. Also, don't just join the conversation. Spark it. So we have a lot of you know, dialogue in, in marketing and advertising today about sort of joining communities of interests and being out there, uh, talking with folks on Facebook or whatnot. But I think it's also very important to, and that is a part of, of social media, but it's also really important to create buzzworthy experiences that draw people to you in social media as well. And you and I offline were talking about you know, some of the hype there, and I would love to get into uh, to that and then talk about some ways that, that you can use social media really effectively today. All right, so so give us your take on it because I, you know, we it's pretty much we talk about it, you know, because I I started this show when social media was just taking off, and now it's of course it's just you know our industry is changing on a daily basis. So and most of my guests are in this industry of PR, marketing, advertising, branding, and social media is the topic du jour, and because it's just so. Just you know, it's changing every minute. Absolutely. So what? So what's your take on it right now? And, and so I have to say up front, I'm probably a little contrarian than than a lot of folks. But uh, I, I mean, if I were to ask how many people, how many of your listeners have a Twitter feed, there's a good chance the majority, vast majority, maybe is going to say yes. If I said how many people have a Facebook profile, I'm pretty sure the overwhelming majority would say yes. If I were to ask how many of your listeners do status updates on some form of social network, whether it's LinkedIn or Ping or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, at least one. Once per week, if not, you know, some of us daily or hourly or by the minute. Uh, of course, they'd say yes. It's obviously very popular. But but on the flip side of that, I like to ask, you know, how many people here could go the rest of your natural life without ever again reading a status update from a friend that they just ate a burrito and are thinking about taking a nap? Uh, how many people here could care less? You know, who just got a new tractor in Farmville? Or how many people could really give a hoot who just, you know, did a check-in um, at, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese Pizzeria down on, you know, the corner of 4th and Elm Street? I think, you know, the overwhelming majority say, yes, you know, stop it. Um, and I, I want to believe, and I've been saying this and I say this in the book, and, and I have to believe, and now data is starting to back me up, that in 2011 we're going to see social media fall to earth at least just a little bit because it has been overhyped, overvalued, and overappreciated for some time. Um, you know, we have to get through the kind of the BS and the hype if we're going to get to what works here. And, and 
I don't know what we as marketers, what kind of crack we've been smoking. Uh, I don't know what made us think that every brand or every type of brand has to have its own Facebook page. Um, for years, I don't know if it's live anymore, but it was, it was live when I was working on my book, The On-Demand Brand. Uh, you could go to the Facebook profile page of two times ultra-tide detergent, for crying out loud. And, you know, uh, if you, you know, here's a detergent with its own Facebook profile. And, and if you decided you were going to be friends with a detergent, you could <laughs> join the handful of other folks over the years who had participated in these events. And I'm quoting here, like, you know, quote, share your favorite places for stain-making moments. Share your favorite places for stain-making moments. Now, <sighs> for some reason, it's a shock to some marketers to learn that not you know, social media is not right for every brand. Not every brand's right for social media. Right. Um, and it's a shock to some marketers to learn that not everyone wants to have a personal relationship with your brand or, or hang out with people who do. There is research coming in now from Forrester Research that shows that the percentage of online Americans who are actually participating in social media has declined over the last year not gone up, gone down. Uh, the percentage of Americans who are, social, quote, social media creators, folks who will upload a video to YouTube or write a blog or post a Twitter feed, has gone from about 24% of Internet users in the U.S. to about 23%, so down about a percent. But then you look at um, social me- so-called social media critics, people who will upload product reviews or leave comments on a website or a blog, they've gone down 5% over the last year. And social media spectators, people who just will watch those videos and read those blogs and follow those tweets, has declined a full 5% as well. When people hear this, they go, well, what, how can this possibly be? Well, remember, I'm, I'm not talking total numbers. Total numbers have gone up. Um, it's just that the percentage of Americans doing this has declined a little bit, uh, is ceilinged out. And, and in my view, that's probably a really good thing because it means that brands are going to have to try a little harder um, right. and, and, and be a little bit more creative in the way that they do these things. Just having a Twitter feed, you know, is not enough, or a Facebook page is not enough. You right, and, yeah, and I think uh, these brands have to stop being so centric on their brand. In other words, if you're really going to be in social media and you're a Tide detergent and you're talking about stains and, and what you have in common with other people <laughs> who love your brand so much that they can take the time out of their day right. to write to each other, right. Um, I think rather than doing something like that, if you knew that when you click here, you can give you know two dollars to a homeless shelter towards their uh, laundry bills, you know that would be something that you might actually take a second out to do. Yes, in fact, and, you know that's what I, I tell my clients, uh, and I write in the book. You know, we need to move past thinking of social media as a cool way to connect with consumers. We need to view social media as a way by which we, as brands, help consumers connect with one another, and not just in you know uh, digital, you know, sort of a desktop experience. You can do that, but also in the physical world as well. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you know, you look at. Uh, uh, of all brands, Bud Light. So they had a lot of success with a little Facebook app that they created uh, that was only made for 4,600 people who were going to participate in one of these Bud Light party cruises. 
Mm-hmm. So you could go online and you could see who else was going to be on the cruise with you, sort of stake out the territory before you hit the high seas kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then after the cruise, everyone, you and everyone you met on the cruise could use the app to stay in touch with one another and upload mm-hmm. photos and videos and sort of share your experiences mm-hmm. um, you know, after the event. Now, ultimately, who cares if anyone's using that app six months from now because the brand's going to have any number of new social experiences to, to bring to life. Um, and then you know, the new wave in, in 2011 is really bringing that out into the physical world. And a real good example is uh, Vail Resorts. They have a, um, I don't think it's on iPhone yet. I think it's just for Android phones. It's an app called Epic Mix. And with this app, you're never again going down the slopes going, you know, hey, where's Sally? She was just behind me on the lift. Now (laughs) you look at your phone screen and literally see where all your friends are on the ski slopes. Then the app will automate your status updates to Twitter and Facebook. You know, hey, I just took this jump, or I did these moguls in 20 seconds flat, or whatever. You can earn points and badges, just like Foursquare, that you can redeem back at the lodge. And next time you're finally in front of your computer again, you could review your performance on the slopes. Now, in the book, I say, you know, products are we sh- products are the new services. In other words, here's an example of a product, a ski resort, becoming uh-huh. a digital service, in this case a very lively and rich social network built around real friends in the real physical world. And I think that's the new wave here. In fact, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with South by Southwest, but the annual confab down in Austin mm-hmm. for oh, yeah. digital folks. I was just there, uh-huh. Okay, so all the new social networks this year, you know, are the big ones that got attention. We're, we're along these lines. You look at Beluga and GroupMe and LocalMind and Fast Society, built around folks connecting with real friends in the real world, enabled through these social networks. And that's, that's really a, a big... And right getting now. something back yes. for, for their effort. Yes. In other words, you know, you don't just want another app. You want another app that's either going to teach you something or give you something back. So in this case, you said that they could go to the lodge and get a discount yep. on blah, blah, blah. They could yep. improve their ski time from yesterday. So you're getting something for joining this app. Absolutely. But what is Epic Mix selling? How, what are they doing? Why do they need to do this? So, Who are they? Okay, so Epic Mix is actually just the name of the app, and it's from Vail Resorts. So Vail oh. Resorts is a chain of ski resorts, and so they want, they're in a competitive marketplace, and they want to right. amp up the experience of skiing at their resorts. So they're providing a service, and yep. a more, you know, it's, it's value-added for their, their, their um, customers. customers. Yep. And that so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so you really have to think this through. You cannot just uh, decide I'm going to have a, you know, I don't even. You, you just you know, when I, I think my executive producer said, oh, now you need a Facebook page for your show. I was like, no, I have one Facebook page. It's me, and under me comes all my other things, and it's yes. it's too we much. Know, you, know, <laughs> you know, and 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 in 2011, I think you know we're going to see. You know, I, I think there's going to be virtue in being slightly anti-social as well. Oh yeah, uh, and that's already happening with young people. I hear young people saying, "No, I don't, I don't, I don't Facebook. I don't." I mean, I hear people like, "Oh, I used to do that. Now I don't do it." Exactly. Well, that's more and more brands are going to start to tap that dynamic. Um, in the book, I interview. Uh, I don't know if you know the name. It's uh, Alex Bogusky. He's an advertising icon. Crispin mm-hmm. Porter Bogusky. It's his last and most extensive interview ever in digital on digital marketing. And one of the things we talk about is I don't know if you remember this. It was the Whopper Sacrifice Facebook app. And this was a little app on Facebook where that you could use to earn a free Whopper sandwich for every 10 Facebook friends that you dump. So this was so wildly successful that Facebook actually ended up yanking it because so many people complained about being dumped. Right now, you are going to see 
so many people, you know, I think in the next year you're going to see folks sort of start to defriend their air quote friends <laughs> who aren't really their friends in real life yeah. and start to really focus on as much authenticity in those online relationships. Wait, you get, you get dumped for a Big Mac, or not you a Big Mac. You get dumped for a Whopper sandwich. A Whopper <laughs> It was hilarious. Just hilarious. That's, a, that's was, very risky marketing. I mean, yeah, that could was really a, bad. It was a huge success, but made Facebook very, uh, very nervous. So. Yeah. Well, I think Facebook is is is, is nervous right now yes. because I think that you know you can't be on top of the world forever. But exactly. But it's uh, you know. Um, yeah. It, it's just you know social media is uh, very time consuming. So you better. And I think everyone's overwhelmed, and I think you better uh, give something back and have some value. Otherwise, it's uh, it's going to be pointless. Just a big waste of time. Yeah. Um, anyway, I uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll we'll touch a couple more points of your book, and then I want to move on to um, some of these other exciting topics. Like I want to learn more about 3D projection mapping. So there's my music. We'll be back in a minute uh, with my guest, Rick Matheson. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you're listening to pr insider with your host maureen kettis brought to you by cision on the web at us.cision.com maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also email your questions to be addressed on the show send your email to maureen at prinsider.biz that's maureen at prinsider.biz now back to the show. Welcome back again, and um, I'm learning a lot from Rick Matheson, my guest today. Welcome back again, Rick. Hey, Maureen. 
So, okay, so let's go into, I want to talk about retail because, you know, you were talking about social media and, and it's getting more towards the real thing, real people you really know at real places you actually go to and all this virtualness is sort of getting tired. So let's talk about what's, what kind of changes we're going to see on the retail front. Sure. You're going to see tremendous changes over the next 18 to 24 months in uh, in what is the total shopping or retail experience. So in the book I talk about, uh, it's called Social Retailing, and this is a technology that's manifest in this pilot program that's going on now at uh, Nanette Lepore's boutique uh, in um, uh, Bloomingdale's. And with social retailing, what happens is when you go into the dressing room, let's say you're trying on clothes and you walk into the dressing room, the mirror is a touchscreen interface. And with that mirror, you can you know, try on your clothes, and then you can press a button and instantly share video or photos of yourself in those clothing to your extended social network on their PCs and mobile phones for instant retail, you know, re- real-time uh, Are you feedback. insane? Why yeah. would I want to be in a dressing room? <laughs> the pants that make my butt look big well, you know, they, to my friends. I know, but I know, right? But, but, you know, what they discovered was they're just watching what people were doing in stores. So if people were taking their mobile phones and shooting photos of themselves or videos of themselves in the mirror and sending it out to their friends and kind of getting email, oh, does it you you know, like make my butt look fat or whatever? Um, so, so what they did was they made this, this interface. You can talk in real time out to your, uh, your social network. Then what sort of the added layer here is you can then, you inside the store and your folks in your social network can drag over virtual clothing options or accessory options over your reflection. So it's almost augmented reality where you're trying on clothes without having to try them on. They're, they're overlaying your reflection so everyone can have a real-time shopping experience with their extended you know, social network. Wow. Oh, and they can, and the, the, the applications for online shopping are tremendous if you can get yes. your body scanned at first. Absolutely. Now, a lot of retailers are going to go, that's really cool. We've got to do that. But, but other retailers are going to go, you know what? That is totally cool, but what an expensive infrastructure you know, investment yeah. there. Right. Why not leverage the infrastructure in the hands of virtually every man, woman, and child? So why not leverage mobile phones? So this trend is going to converge with trends like uh, Foursquare and trends like Groupon and, and you know, sort of uh, thing, you know, retailers having their own apps like Gap has an app where, among other things, when you walk up to the store, you turn it on and it'll send you a special offer. Starbucks has this sort of thing as well. So all these things are going to converge in a really interesting way, and, and here's how it's going to work. When I go into the store, let's say it's the Gap, I'll use that as an example, I'm going to turn on my app, and it's going to instantly announce to the store that I've arrived. Hey, Mr. Matheson just walked in. And then I'm going to instantly receive offers based on my stated preferences and my past purchase history. Oh, Mr. Matheson, if you like the jeans you bought last month, you're going to love these cool new shirts. It'll even show me where the shirts are in the store. If I want to have this information sent to the tablet, the iPad or whatever, in the store clerk's hands, I can press a button, and that clerk can have it so that he or she can give me better service while I'm in the store. When I walk over to those shirts, I'll be able to scan the QR or AR marker on the tag and watch runway video of models wearing the clothes or something about the cut and color or whatever the design idea was behind uh-huh. the clothes. When I go into the dressing room, I'll do what those people have, what shoppers do every day. I'll snag a photo or video of myself in the mirror with my mobile phone, send it out to my social network for real-time you know, feedback, mm-hmm. and then depending on what they say or maybe, <laughs> maybe despite what they say, if I decide I like that shirt, I might keep it on or I might throw it in my bag. I just walk out the door. 
The transaction is going to happen automatically because I entered my credit card into a web portal associated with that app. And so I'm going to walk out the door without, without ever writing a you know, check, digging for cash, swiping a card, or ever standing in line. That is going to radically redefine mobile marketing and, and retailing in the next and that couple saves, of years. And that saves money for a retail. Yes. That saves money for the retailer when you, when you think about not standing in line. Yes, enhances the shopping experience and, right. and streamlines operations. Well, they're kind of doing that already with rental cars when you go get to, you know, when they're the, the yep. high-tech rental cars at the airport. Yep, same concept. You don't even, uh, you know, interact with a person. <laughs> right. I don't know about sending pictures of myself in the, uh, the, the bikini, uh, you know, uh, in the, from the dressing room. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, so is this the same thing as, as, as 3D projection mapping? So that is related. This is one of my new favorite things. So uh, in the retail environment, you can 3D projection mapping is this technique for projecting. So it's almost like augmented reality, but nobody needs a device. You don't have to use your mobile phone. It's just happening in front of you. And so how it's being manifest is you could have, let's say, a furniture display. Mm -hmm. And you could literally press a button and see different fabric literally applied to the couch in real time, just instantaneously, just happens. Oh, I don't like that one. Let's go to the next one and see what it looks like. Literally right there in the store, right in front of you, you could walk up and touch that couch. It is still, you know, the same texture. It's not really changing the fabric. It's projecting in three dimension what that fabric is on that couch. You could arrange the whole room. Let's change the wallpaper. Let's change, you know, uh, the table. And it looks completely real, uh, just completely in 3D right before your very eyes. You can flip through the whole catalog and, and, and try on every variation the store has to offer in an instance. Um, and this sort of thing is being extended uh, outdoor as well. Um, one of the big sort of trends right now is using outdoor 3D projection mapping on buildings. Mm -hmm. So last Friday uh, down in L.A., your parts, uh, the Roosevelt Hotel, Lexus projected this giant experience on the side of the building. The building came to life. It moved. Windows moved over. Things filled up with water. You know, all the windows in the hotel seemed to fill up with water. Uh, Alexis drove up the wall, and, and uh, uh, freeways, you know, shot out of the walls so the car could drive in all kinds of different directions Inception, around. Inception, like an in the Inception movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly like Inception, uh, but happening right before people's eyes. Uh, I'm going to post about this on my blog. It's called GenWow.com. I'll, I'll do it next week with Spell it right now for our listeners G-E-N-W-O-W dot com and uh, I'll have a behind, behind the scenes story and interview on uh, on that particular implementation it, it is very cool I, I seriously go Google 3D projection mapping after the show and start clicking you're going to love what you, what you see it's some really cool stuff it's, it's scary almost. You know, I mean, it, it's like, it, you know, we're in the future. It's frightening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's everything, you know, like I said, you know, if you can dream it now, you can do it. It's like science fiction that we used to think about when we were kids in the 70s and 80s. Now, anything. You could do anything. It's a really exciting time to be in advertising, um, you know, uh, because there's just so many avenues and so many places you can you can you know, exactly. work, and it, it's such an exciting field right now. So I think I feel the same with PR because it's, it's expanding into everything. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, you, so look at a, you look at Edelman, a giant PR firm. They're a giant digital marketing firm now, too. Right. The, the walls between all these disciplines are almost meaningless now. It's all about how can we create really cool, compelling experiences. Yeah, and, and the creativity in, in strategy planning uh, on, you know, for someone like me, it used to be the same old, same old, and it started getting tired. Even though the clients were always new and you're learning something new, 
It's like, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to go in the magazines, and we're going to newspaper. Well, now you can come up with all these creative things and work in, in conjunction with their partners on in, in the different sectors of advertising and marketing and come up with something, you know, really great. And also something that I think, you know, you were talking about anti you know, anti-new media, yeah. and that is like sometimes the value of old-fashioned paper can be really incredible. Yeah, so like yeah. if you've done everything online, 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 and then you decide to send out a actual paper something yep. to the, but but finding the people who are your are the actual valued customer is only gotten through the new media. Yeah, you know, the one thing that that I say in the book is I'm not one of these people that's, you know, death to traditional media, I'm not. I think that I think that all of this works together. For me the the distinction between old media and new media is meaningless. It's media and how do we use it whatever it right. is to reach folks. We just have more, you know, interesting and, and, and complicated and options you know, creative <laughs> options and we can't repurpose, we need to reimagine and we don't need to um, have our we need to have our inspiration before uh, after our insight. That's right. I learned so much today. Well, thank you so great. much for coming aboard, and I, you're the kind of guest I need to have on again because it seems like we only you know crack to the Scratch nut. The surface, I mean, yeah. absolutely. So genwow.com is your is your um, my blog. Your yeah. blog and on demand brand by the book. You can also find him at Rick. Matthewson.com, but he puts that I in there. It's just so annoying, Rick. Yeah, <laughs> talk to your dad about that or your, or your ancestors. That's right. And uh, so I hope you'll come again on the show. I want to thank my um, executive producer, John Missel, and my new um, engineer today, Chad Wagner. I've never worked with him, but he did a great job. And don't forget, relate to your public, whoever they may be. And we're on every Friday, 1 o'clock Pacific. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.